This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to Grieving Voices. My guest today is Kimberly Bell. She is a native of Salisbury, Maryland, and she holds two degrees, one in human growth and development psychology and the other in theology. She is an inspirational speaker, minister, mentor, and author of The Epitome of Kimmy, Accept and Embrace It All. Through her work, she shares her life story and personal experiences to inspire others to never give up hope while raising awareness to societal issues. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We're just going to dive right in because um, a part of your story is of being adopted. And I don't know that I have had a guest who's been adopted necessarily. Mm. I'm trying to think and I, there isn't, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. What is that like? Hmm. Well, as I started the healing process and going through investing in me and building my self-worth and getting to understand things that was broken, foundations that was broken, and how I dealt with the depression and anxiety of separation and abandonment and stuff is that when um, I really realized that I went through a great loss of along with that separation of um, staying with my biological parents, my biological mother and father and my biological sister. She was two years older than me up until I was five. And then um, my biological father and my biological mother had one of the worst fights ever. It wasn't not normal that they had chaotic, you know, in their marriage and, you know, and in the home where I witnessed physical, verbal and, you know, abuse there. But this particular time, it was one of the worst. And it ended up my biological father and my, bi- and my biological mother separating for a short time. But during that traumatic experience, it took me with him and he dropped me off to his sister, which is my paternal aunt. She's the oldest sibling of them. And um, he said, I would come back. He's, he, you know, told me I was going to have to stay there, but he would come back and never happened. Now their relationship did not cease. You know, they still had the sibling relationship and he came periodically in and out. He ended up really getting a divorce from my biological mother down the road after they had other kids and making a new family. But it was almost like it was 
a continuous journey for me in my mind that I lost my dad and I lost my mother at that time, at that tragic event. I lost and no one gave me a say. I had no control. And now how do I grieve losing and being separated from all that I knew from the beginning? At how old? What age was that? Five. Five. Going on six, yeah. What happened to your sister? She stayed with with my mother. So you lost your sister too. Exactly. Yeah. I lost the relationship. And we, we, we talked about that a couple of times. I, well, I'm the vocal one. And I said, you know, we were robbed from our relationship mm-hmm. yeah. because we were really close. She was two years older than me and she was pretty much my hero. I remember, you know, being upset, going in her room and, you know, she was making me, you know, as big sisters would, you know, smile and laugh and, um, and, those years of missing and, and wondering, you know, what is she doing and wanting to be around her, wanting to be connected. And that's not happening until we got to almost adult age. We still stayed in our hometown, but we was not connected. We was not connected. Wow. That's almost yeah. even harder, right? Like, you're, you yeah. know, and you knew, like you consciously knew, like even let's say maybe not necessarily at five, not understanding that, but Surely eight, nine, 10, 11, knowing your mom, your sister in the same town, but you're not Mm -hmm. connected. You're not seeing each other. Right. Now, a couple of times I went through my little spells of, and I never wanted not to be connected to either one of them. It's just, it never worked in my favor, but I always wanted to be back with my mother. You know, even even knowing the treatment wasn't wasn't good. It was only the treatment that I knew and I loved her. So it wasn't that I'd never wanted, you know, so I would go do some episodes and spells that I would cry. And I'm like, I want my mom. (laughs) I want to go with my sister, you know, you know, and then episodes with my dad coming in and out, talking to his sibling. I mean, you know, my adopted mom, which is his sister about his life. And then, you know, looking at me and saying, I'm going to come, I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to come and, you know, I'm going to take you with me. And um, I'm getting my bags packed and, and hopes up and he never shows up. So I'm going through all this turmoil (laughs) and um, my, my adopted father, which is her husband, was like always the mediator. He was always trying to balance my um, episodes out. So I remember him making, it's crazy that you said around eight or nine, it was pretty much around that age between eight to 10, 10, that he gave my dad a talk. And I remember listening in the other room and he was really kind of like getting on him stern and was like, stay away. If we're going to promise her and not come, not deliver, and we see the hurt and we see the pain, don't do that. Just stay away. And so it, he did. Uh, for months, I didn't see him. Uh, and then when I did see him, when months did, you know, he would come there periodically and, and pretty much um, update my mom, his sister, on his life. When he's gone into the ministry, he remarried, he had other kids and stuff like that. And in the episodes that I was going through, I wanting to be with my mom. I remember um, my mom, 
at that time, my doctor mom saying, you know, I just don't understand you. Why would you want to be with someone that mistreats you and don't want you and da da da? And, you know, my dad, he would be the mediator. He would say, you know, her husband, we're not going to do this. It's okay. And that was, he was really like the first one that really gave me a sense that my emotions, my feelings did matter, despite of anybody else made me feel that way. He set, I guess, kind of the foundation because he said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. It's okay that she wants to go and see her mom. It's okay that she wants, but it was never an initiated from her. So that even hurt worse because it was always me initiating. So with me initiating and he was, he allowed him and my mother allowed me to periodically to go and see my mother. We're all still living in the same hometown radius of probably like 20, 25 minutes apart. When I come to visit her, it was never, it was always the same. It was just like I was a neighborhood kid. Hmm. So here I'm going back just as torn as I was leaving. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, that stopped after for a while that stopped, but it was never. And that's why I said, I know that I had to come to grips and accept that was a complete loss mentally, physically, and emotionally from my birth mother that I wanted so much to have. She was all I knew, but I had to accept that's not what she wanted, you know, and I'm not responsible for that. I held guilt and shame for being responsible of her choice of not wanting me, not fighting for me, not coming back to get me, not, you know, concluding the separation, you know? So it was those episodes. And like I said, during those years up until 18, when I did leave my adopted parents' home, you know, cause I'm of age or whatever and my life's changed. It was never an initiation from my birth mother. No calls that I can recall, no gifts, no kind of mental, physical, or emotional contact to let me know that she wanted to be connected with me. So that sealed. And I had to live through some rejection and pain, because I wasn't ready to accept the complete loss all the way around and to grieve. It's a reality. It was a reality. Yeah. So how did you find yourself coping with that reality over the years? Oh, really in bad uh, cycles, depression, anxiety, very impulsive. I was very impulsive in relationships because I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be a feel that abandonment anyone anymore. And once I felt like and get this, it was like, because I had up until five tried to find anything that I could to make her accept me or to make her be kind, just be kind to me. <laughs> that never, that seemed like it never happened or the emotional connection that I seen her do with my sister that was quite different when it came to me. It was almost like a resentment and I didn't mm-hmm. understand why. And um, so it was always, it was like a foundation built on if I was only quiet enough, if I was only pretty enough, if I was only good enough, if I was only quite smart enough, if I uh, didn't ask for seconds or whatever to get approval, 
to be accepted. And that took a lot of years down to other relationships, even down to my kids of wanting to be the best because here, if I could just get one ounce of acceptance, I got you. Instead of someone just accepting me for me and me not having to work for it. Yeah, tough. Because I, I built my life with years of um, relationships of um, doing, draining myself to, am I not just good enough? Um, I, I have this to offer. I can save you, accept me. So once you accept me, then I am, I'm good. Why would you ever want to leave me? Now that you, you, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like trying to hold on to whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's a toxic relationship, because now you've, you, you said you accept me. You're in my life. How, how dare you want to now leave out my life or do something to make me feel like, is this what life is all about? Is a bad behavior or this unhealthy behavior or this toxicness? Uh, my stress level or the way your disrespectfulness or the way you're talking to me, is this worth you being in my life rather than you not being in my life? No, I'd rather for you to be in my life and not make me feel abandoned again and do whatever you want. Treat me however you want. Cause this is what I only knew. This is the cycle. And so And it's a shame that I got all the way to my 40s, but I had to really choose and accept the dysfunctional cycle and accept and choose, do I want my life to be this way? Like it was, the depression, the anxiety, that buying love, that feeling like I have to buy love, feeling like that I have to force love, beg for love. I don't. And I had to find I'm worth so much more than have to buy love. I'm worth, I was created for love and to be loved naturally. That's not forced, you know? So I had to really like process and get it and say, this cycle and changes have to start with me. It has to start with me from my heart to my mind. And when I got that accept and embrace it all, doing those top, doing those chapters of my memoir, I had to actually live that. I had, I, when I read the story and I wrote the story, I was like, holy shit, that's the Lord God. I said, this is really sad. This really, this, how unfortunate. And I never looked at my story like that. I looked at it as if like someone looking out in a numb stage, like, oh yeah. You know, she did have two birth parents. She did have two adoptive parents, but never actually accepting the effects physically, mentally, and emotionally that took place beyond my control. And then how I staged and I made decisions based on those effects that was never dealt with. And then I was raised in a generation, an era that what goes on in a home stays in a home. I didn't have, and they didn't embrace, you know, therapists. They didn't embrace, you know, so I was definitely going through PTSD on so many, so many different levels from that traumatic incident that I just seen blood from my mom's head to her chin. That, that event, he physically 
beat her so bad in the car with me and my sister that led me being taken to his sister's house. She got dropped off at my grandparents' house, her and my sister. And I stayed, I, I had to get back in the car with my dad and we went, that was one of the, I, and, I, and it's vivid. I would never forget in details what had happened. And then having to stay overnight to someone's house. I, I didn't know them. I did. I knew of them. But that was that was my first night that I've ever remember staying over there. And I'm staying there alone. And it seemed like they already had a bedroom prepared for me. But I'm so shocked and scared. I didn't even want to tell them that I was scared to be in the dark. I just laid there and I cried. And I'm thinking of my sister. What is where is she? What is she doing? And when when would my dad come back? That something with inside of me, a built in hope was if I could get through this night. I'll be all right. But as far as my voice, as far as me saying to these strange, but, but not strange people and um, how I feel, Oh, it was not, it was not heard of. So I built a silence about me, you know, so that had to be break broken. That had to come to grips with accepting. And then I remember as I was writing the story and reliving marriages and and relationships that I adopted the same coping skills, this unhealthy coping skill of being silent, being feeling like my voice did not matter. Okay. It hurt. Okay. That was very painful. But if I say something, who, what, for what would it even matter? I had to, you know, really invest some time of breaking my silence, understanding what I'm worth and building my own self-esteem and then just being comfortable loving me. And once I started just examining and loving me, I still went through some, uh, and I still go through the process of hurt times. I just lost my, my adopted mother that raised me and um, how I was treated like alienated for speaking my truth, for being courageous enough to share my story. When I tell you, I'm coming from a generation, though, that you don't expose any family secrets. You don't share, even if it was about to help you. You just don't do that. So I was alienated from the funeral, from the mm. program. My This I, was recent? This was recent. This was last month. Aww. Her brother took in charge of everything, which is my biological father, younger brother. They're about two or maybe two to four years um, apart. And my biological father's been dead probably over 11 years now, but he took in charge of everything and he would not let me or my children be a part of the funeral arrangements, the funeral program. And then on the, here was the icing on the cake. And this is why I I'm so glad that I'm able to be a voice and inspire other listeners that had I not took the time to be courageous enough and share my truth and heal and invest in myself. My biological mother, my birth mother was in the program. She was there reading the obituary and she has never contacted me. She has never contacted me. We still live in hometown or even give me her condolences that the woman that passed away that raised me acknowledged that she's passed away, but yet she was there in the fun- at the funeral title. Yes. Yep. And I'm just saying if I, and it, and, and I, don't get me wrong. I got 
I did endure the, the funeral, but I, I didn't even get out of the car to go to the memorial, the board burial. I, um, one of my adult daughters was with me. So I took her, she drove, she rode with me and I was feeling so sick stomach after that I went home and I just laid in the bed and I went to sleep, but I, not saying that I wasn't hurt. I was hurt pain one but what I found was some strength that I allowed myself to choose to reinvest in myself since last year to work on me. My book was published last year in August. So, and like I said, she just passed away last month, April the 11th. If it not, if it did not, if I did not release my truth and invest in me and start building my self-worth up and loving me and leaning on the support of my children, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to pass that test. I know I wouldn't. I probably would have turned that, y'all probably would have had me on CNN. (laughs) I probably would have turned the funeral out because that was a lot to handle of being alienated on both sides, but yet having to confront it. You know what I mean? Being alienated from both sides, but yet I'm looking at the woman that raised me in the casting. She's gone. I'm Here's another loss. And then the birth mom that has always been a loss, there she's there still portraying, I don't know what, but it's a double loss, double alienation because you never even contacted me. You have not spoke to me. In months, almost, you know, a year probably. Did your adoptive parents, did they have other children in the no. home? No. no? Oh. Uh-huh. So all the love they had to give it really just went to you. Yep. I was there. I was her Kim and I was his Kimmy. How I got that name, that title is he used to call me his Kimmy. And so, yeah. There's so much of your story that I personally relate to very different ways, but there's so much of your story, just really this lack of having a voice, not being able to have a voice and really finding your way to that much later in life, my right. 40th year. Right. <laughs> so right. very much like you just walking through life, like shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And it's really just this way that we self-sabotage and never really truly find our own potential because we are so busy looking for approval and validation and validation and all these things. And I think we do it differently. You know, you mentioned buying love. You tried to buy other people's love. I Mm -hmm. suppose you, you, what you, what do you mean when you say that? And then I want to elaborate more on this. I never really remember getting any gift, monetary gift to, for my birth mom, but yet I would birthdays, I would give money and cards, I would, you know, give her Mother's Day cards with money in it. If I seen her, because like I said, it um, being in a hometown at a gas station, I remember saying, you know, being so excited to see her and wanting so much of her acceptance and conversation. You want gas, you know, I can fill your car up and I'm, I'm doing that, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, so. Yeah. How about just with with relationships? How did that show up in relationships? Um, I was always the initiator, you know, um, you, you, you need a job. Like if it wasn't my money, it was always my time sacrificing, sacrificing my time, my energy to, um, help 
them to get on their feet, help them to, you know, if they didn't have a place to stay, well, I have, you know, you can stay here, you know, uh, you, know you need, what do you need to, to, to get a car? You know, I'm just, you know, I would just be always the one that would use, <laughs> over exceed, you know, the energy, the time, the money to, to get that acceptance or buy that approval. You know, it's an overgiving. Yeah, I, I can help you. I can help you. I can help you. you know? And here's what's interesting about that, because I very much relate to that, whether it's usually it would be my time that I would yeah. give mm-hmm. to other people and yeah. you know deplete my own energy. And mm-hmm. and some people do it with food, right? Like some people mm-hmm. will just feed people just mm-hmm. that's how they, you know, they get something from that when people would respond with, Oh, you're, you're such a good cook. I love your food. Yes, and, yeah, and so it perpetuates yeah, that, right. Yeah, that, that yeah, giving yeah. and, but what other people would see, right. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong is you have such a big heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? And so people see that you have such a big heart, but really what they don't see is the, the, the reason for that is the pain. Yeah the overgiving is right. for pain and it's giving for the wrong reasons. Right. Right. But we don't see that pattern mm-hmm. until we see it right? or until we're ready to see it. And that's where you said when you were writing your book, it was obviously a very therapeutic thing right. for you. Mm-hmm. I experienced the same. It was like the first time really that I, same thing. I expressed my voice, expressed, mm-hmm. expressed my story, shared my story. And it was it was received in a lot of the same way where we don't talk about what's happening in the, in, you know, the family and that's nobody's business. And, but it's Absolutely. my truth. I had my story, right? Mad at me. Yes. yes. Serious. And they're still mad at me and the retaliation is crazy. But on the other hand, I got so many supports of people saying that my story helped inspire them and, you know, I've never looked at, and I even made sure I remember specifically when I had, when I sent the transcript, which was that needed to be edited. You know, I said, and I made it very clear. I said, if you see that I'm going outside and t- touching my feelings and emotions negatively to make someone else look bad, please delete it because that is not my mission. This is about me. I want my book to help heal someone else and to understand that this is my truth, that these are things that I went through that I had to accept and how these things has brought me to where I'm at now. Exactly. And so, like you said, with people that are from different generations or different mentality, a mindset of, of, you know, how dare you, you know, with knowing that you're not just the only sole person that had certain effects on you that happened was like, you don't cross the line. You you don't do that. You don't do that. I'd rather it's for to inspire or heal you or not. You just don't do that. You, you keep silent. That's no, like you said, that's nobody's business. And so I am just and that was like a, that door of I've never felt now I felt that courageous move, just a touch of it when I stopped the procrastination and ended up graduating from the first college and completing something because I 
felt like I had this mentality that I just had the spirit of, I, I just couldn't finish. I just would leave things open and then go to another thing and not complete that and just go to another thing. And so that one courageous move was just a touch of this last one that I said, okay, now this is the biggest courageous move of speaking out, standing on my truth and leaving it in the hands of God on what the outcome will be. Because God knows it wasn't about diminishing or damaging anybody else's character. It was about setting me free. And it did. It set me free. But it also, and I, and I just believe my story is going to set other people free, you know. So my dad said to me, and that really struck me when I was, and I had a mental therapist on on call during the time I was writing the book during COVID. She didn't even know that I was writing the book. Actually, I sent a book to her way after, you know, our, our therapist sessions when the book was released in August of last year. And she just called me and she called me. She was like, I can't believe it. She said, I did not know. Because some of the things she she didn't even know. She said, and you were writing this at the time. And I was like, yeah. But getting back to my dad said, and that really took me to the level that I knew that I had to do this. He said, and this is what he instilled in me was one part of my foundation. He said, Kimmy, if you don't stand for something, Learn right now to stand for something, because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So that's why I can talk it because I lived it and let people know that even with courageous moves, it's still a process that I'm going through that I still feel hurt and pain. Yeah, because I just explained what happened to me a month ago and I'm still grieving. I still miss her. I want pictures of us when we were a family that he he refuses to give me so me and my 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 um children don't have anything of her or my dad and so we're just waiting on him and uh, at the mercy of him and and I'm 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 I have to work on me to allow God to fill my heart with continue to fill my heart with love and not bitterness and not hate and say this is a battle that I don't want to fight if it's going to disrupt my peace like this, you have it. If you you take this and just bring me peace with this. I have his Bible. So, and I have her obituary and I do have some, you know, some pictures of us, um, especially, you know, when she went to my kid's graduation and, you know, I look at those and I just think about, things that and a peace comes over me when I think about this and I know it's nothing but God is saying one thing that no one can take away from you is the memories. Mm-hmm. It's the things that they instilled in you. It's the thoughts. It's the way now that you have become as a woman and a mother enough and, and a grandmother is because of them people that raised you. They can't take that away from you. So and I, I tear up with that. But it's a good tear because it's a peace that God is uh, allowing me to strengthen through this, through this journey. And one thing I found and I, and I tried to express so much because I've dealt with this so many times. And I really believe we as human beings deal with this too. 
I am not responsible for anyone else's actions or behaviors. Do they hurt? Yeah. Are they disappointing? Yes. But the only thing that I can control and and deal with is my responses, is my actions, is my behavior, is how I choose to live my life. And that's the rest. I, I I can't do anything else. Yeah. But for years, and I know a lot of people have, I've dealt my emotions on feeling responsible or in control of what people done and said and how they acted and how they behaved. And for instance, just like I said, if I had continued with that mentality and that depression and that anxiety and an impulsive Kim a month ago, when that had happened for no one to think about how could Kim come to this conclusion in her life and live in that journey and then be courageous enough to, to share it to the world of my first sexual foundation, my misdiagnosis of PTS, uh, um, mis, uh, PTSD to mild retardation of six years in resource of bullying and, and taunting and, 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 and the silent cry and, and, and then having a child at 15. If, if this is the type of, if I wore that, what I felt at that funeral that no one cared from my birth mother to my paternal uncle that was in, he, he knew of me. He knew that, you know, he, you know, he had a relationship with, you know, my, my, my mom, his sister. So he knew he was in and out of the house. He, you know, I called him my uncle, D, you know, so it's not like, you know, you did not know me, but for you to act and behave and feel my heart with such disappointment and hurt had I not invested in me and had God to really start healing the process of not being responsible for what people do and say, I would have went off. I would have went in a tantrum. Yeah. I think that's what happens in a lot of situations. And that's what exactly, because all that built up Mm -hmm. and that release hasn't been able to been dealt with and deal with and accept that this is just a part of life. We have no control of what people will say, do, or act towards us. None. But Only it all that, has an impact. It, but it all has an impact. And exactly. that is the thing. We all, every single one of us yes. creates an impact in right. other people's lives. Right. And we have the choice in what go. that impact is. There you go. And that's where personal yes. responsibility yes. comes in. That is, that is. Owning our feelings. Yes. Letting that be okay. Mm-hmm. But giving people the grace too, to have their own feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, you're absolutely right. And not because like you were saying, there's people that would not been able to take and give up. Totally give up. I've been there. Just give up. Want to give in wanting to tap out. It's no way. I mean, I remember that one of the last relationships I was like, I'm at this age, 40 something in my life is no way I want to start all over again. Why? For what? You know what I mean? Just let me tap out. I don't want to have to even deal with this pain of having to regroup, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but it's so much worth the best gift I could ever gave myself was giving myself the gift to invest in me, to love me, 
I just got goosebumps because that is truly, I mean, really what it comes down to, right? Is we always seem to look for everybody else to give us what really we may not have ever been taught how to give ourselves. Right. Right. Self-love is the best love, right? Best love. Yes, give me goosebumps too. Best love, yes. And then when you do give that self-love, that best love that only you can give, I am just so confident with hope and faith that I'll get that reciprocated. Hmm. I don't have to look for it. It'll come. Yeah, I heard the quote just the other day, actually. Yesterday, in fact, you attract more flies with honey, right? Be the honey. Yeah. And leave the legacy that is one you are proud of. Yes. Leave the impact of one that you're proud of. Yes. And here's the thing, you know, whether it's your uncle, whether it's your mother, your biological mother, or whoever it is, uh-huh. we all bring our perspective and our personal experience and our, our lens of the world to situations. And really that just reveals that he has work to do. And when you have somebody like yourself, that can really rub people the wrong, you know what I mean? It really, it, honestly, like that's the impact. Oh, kids. Yeah, that's the impact that we, that you have. Like once you have gotten to a place where things that ruffled your feathers once upon a time don't anymore, it, people take notice of that. And like, and their energy bumps into your energy and their energy is like, well, aren't you high and mighty or aren't, you know what I mean? Like people can, they, they interpret that as either indifference or Pollyanna or better than, you know, people can interpret, they'll interpret that however, and that's not your responsibility. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. What my responsibility is owning, like you were saying, I love that word, owning my own aura, Mm -hmm. my own love for me my own confidence in me, my own self-worth in me, you know, owning my own peace. I fight hard for it. So why don't I fight hard to keep it? I do. And, you know, it's just the process that I worked on me to get there too, you know? And I bet you feel empowered. I do. And it's, disempowering to give that away to other people right yes I do one of um I did ended up um it was so therapeutic too I did write a tribute and that's on my website I wrote a tribute to my mom and it just so happened my birth mom had to read it mind you I wasn't on the program and I wasn't able to do anything at the funeral but she was in the program to do, do the obituary reading and all the acknowledgments in the cards. So I had to give, my daughter had to give her, whoever was in the program to do that, the tribute. And it just so happened to get in her hands. <laughs> well, isn't that full but, circle? Exactly. So, um, but getting back to the tribute, I remember, you know, you just, you just did a light bulb that came out when um, I was writing this and I had um, a statement that was in the tribute that I said to her, you know, I remember getting in the bathtub, you know, she, she was one of the best scrub, the back scrubbers ever. Cause she was, you know, she's so old school. So like, I'm going to scrub the bark off your back, but I don't mean to be so heavy handed, but 
<laughs> you know, but it felt so good because, you know, it was just like my little poor, but, but she said a phrase I'll never forget. When I put that in the tribute, she said, you're your little frail, timid, timid thing you are. You're just a little frail, timid thing. And, you know, as I'm writing it, it's still so therapeutic. I'm, I'm laughing as I'm writing it. And I said, and if it wasn't for you and Daddy Bill, because that's what I called them. I, what, how you all raised me now has turned out to be the strongest and the courageous person in the world. So see how that we, yes, how that, the, you know, the investment. Mm -hmm. And as you said, until I started owning that, even though I'm not responsible for how it affects anybody else, <laughs> my silence or you know, my lack of silence, my, you know, my voice and my truth is regardless whether, you know, rubs anyone in some wrong way is that I am so glad. And it's just such a blessing that an investment has taken into my life through experiences and through people that has raised me and that has loved me, loved me their way, but love me that I am able to, as you said, now feel empowered. And I am not that frail, timid person, but it was because of those two that started that investment in me. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think too, like when we're talking to other family or we're talking to people or we're sharing our voice, as long as you're sticking to how you felt mm -hmm. in that moment or how you felt at that time, or, you know, basic, you're really just sharing your story of it. Right. People can't argue that. Right. There's no argument there. Right. You know, well, people... I never, and it's crazy because none, no one. Now my sister got a copy, you know, she, she said, um, you know, she loved me, you know, she never, you know, spoke in details about the, about the book, but no one um, from the family that have made me feel that they were kind of rubbed the wrong way for me, exposing my truth or whatever have came to me and, and asked for me to explain anything. Like I said, they're in that generation where, you know, that's how you felt. That's how you felt. But my thing is I'm ready and I'm determined. And this is what I have been doing from 15 is breaking the generational curse. Mm. Even with my minor, she gets upset. And I said, Manye, are you sad? Or are you angry? That was never talked about or heard of when I was growing up. You do not tell, you do not even act like you're mad or angry. First of all, in the Bible, it said, you know, they were very strict about the Bible. You don't get angry. You don't sin, you know, you don't get mad. You know, mad, you know, pretty much is a sin, you know, violence or whatever. But that emotion part point was definitely put on the back burner because as a child, you are as a child. You're not taught that emotions are real and they are valid, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I have clearly took a stand against that and gave my children that um, nugget that it is okay to be sad. It's okay to be disappointed. It's and it's okay to talk about it as you were talking about. And it's okay to share and um, um, how you feel, even with me, sometimes I even have to come because now I'm adult, I'm, I'm, I'm loving and mothering adult children and, and a minor, which is quite different. 
But I remember even saying to my son, we had gotten um, in a little um, conversation and it didn't, it didn't go too well that I had to come back to him and let him know that, you know, I apologize if I said it wrong where you didn't understand where I was coming from and it really made you feel the way you felt, but this is what I meant. And then I concluded with him by saying this, Emmanuel, and this is my adult son, my only, only one, one son. I said, besides me being your mother, understand I am also a woman that I'm not perfect. I'm still treading this process and I make mistakes too, but I'm also a woman, not just your mother, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's breaking that generational curse where, you know, the communication It's like you said, it's okay. I tell, you know, um, I'm, 40 something years old and and saying to even myself, it's okay to not be okay today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just before my mother passed away, I had to celebrate. And it was crazy because this year, and he died in 97 when my adopted dad's birthday came up, that was in March. I'm looking at his Bible and he has, and I have his little obituary in the Bible and I'm, and that day came and I was just, I was just like, not a good day. I, I, I need a minute. I need a day. I need, and I'm going to give myself, guess what, Kim? I'm giving myself permission to be sad just today for a few hours and, and, and think about if he was here, how he would have been proud of me, how I would have been able to say, you know, daddy Bill, look at this. Or, you know, he wasn't able to see the youngest, uh, me um, and, 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 and hear him saying, Kimmy, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You got this. It's going to be okay. You know? Um, and I just kept, you know, the tears just kept rolling. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to give myself the time to cry. And it was just like, because so much had happened over the year and here the book and here March was his birthday that I gave myself permission and being okay to celebrate my way, mourn my way. And like I said, I'm breaking that generation, generational, generational curses where growing up from an uh, denominational church and religion was our mean, our top umbrella is that you leave a lot of emotions and you trust God and you pray and you fast and you, you know, speak in tongues and God is, God is the healer of all. And, and, and when you go to outside sources, no, you know, which it's not that way. It's not that way all the time. I have felt so much love throughout this whole year that from people that doesn't even look like me, inspiring and telling my story. And it's been healing. It's been therapeutic for me because I'm receiving, especially, especially, uh, um, uh, I'm receiving what has already been given and created for me. And that is that unconditional love, that love that once we, we, we talked about earlier that I didn't have to buy, that I didn't have to be no, nothing but Kim. And they're receiving and saying, I'm supporting. You know what I mean? I'm not getting it. I didn't get it from all my family members. You know, I got it from my, you know, my, my, all my immediate, you know, my um, ch- children. But I'm just giving a point where to listeners that it may not even come from what you, you, where, where, where you would want it to come from or even look like you, 
but embrace it. I had to learn to embrace it. And I'm telling you, this has been, I have have so many sisters, you know, and um, been on interviews and podcasts, male and female, that has poured their love out and support that I've, I've felt it. I didn't even have to be, you know, and I'm just like, you know, this is what life is all about. You know, love definitely doesn't have a color and it doesn't have a gender, but it is created for us to receive. We're created in love and it is for us to receive. And I'm just so happy that I'm able to express that and inspire to someone that um, don't shortchange yourself. Don't cut it off because it doesn't look like you. It doesn't feel like it should come from there because that's just not the way life is. That's just not the way life is. I loved all of that so much. I have this thought recently, actually, like when you have a challenging situation and I, I did not that long ago and I thought to myself, what would love do? You know, we can still have boundaries mm-hmm. and we can still act from a place of love. Mm-hmm. We can share our voice and our feelings from a place of love and compassion mm-hmm. and with grace. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if as a child, you were like, do you look at yourself as a, do you consider yourself as a highly sensitive person? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I am too. And I, my childhood did not make sense mm-hmm. until probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. And so when you were talking about, you know, these big feelings as a, as a kid and having these big feelings. And I think that's where sometimes like, I don't think my mom either knew what to do with my big feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, no, you're not going to cry. If you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. So I'd go under my bed to cry or I'd Mm -hmm. go in the linen closet to cry. You know, I just never expressed or shared myself. I didn't have the safety and the freedom to do that. Right. And, but I, I'm curious. And I was going to ask this after we were done recording, but I'm just going to ask this. When, what was, what was your dad's birthday? Dad, Bill. You said March. Yeah, March. Yeah, I know it's in March. Hold on. Let me get my calendar. But uh, March is that crazy weather, right? Yeah, it's like that. March, the in month between. where it doesn't, you know, the you, you never know whether it will. Comes in like a lion. Mm-hmm. Goes out like a lion. The 21st. 21st. March 21st. Yep. I was just, cause I'm not sure what the change is in the astrology, but I was going to uh-huh. say, if he's a Pisces, uh-huh. I'm a Pisces. Uh-huh. He gets the feelings piece. Uh-huh. And that's probably what he was bringing to his relationship with you. Yeah. It's that yeah. the deep yeah. feeling of a Pisces. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad. And her birthday, I think her birthday's in June, but I'm so glad that he, he set that balance of the feelings. He set that balance of the feelings. They were, um, I'm going to forget when I was probably eight or nine. I know I was young. Of course, I'm, my skin is a lot darker than them. And they would, my, my um, biological, well, my adopted mom would say, you don't look like us now. And which was true. Um, but she did, wasn't intentionally um, saying things to hurt me, but this, these are things like, but like I said, back in the generational, they, they felt like children are children where you could say whatever, and they didn't, they don't absorb things as a sponge. But she said, 
you know, you don't look like us. And they were, they, their, their color was much um, lighter than mine, but this is, you don't look like us, but you're ours. You know, you're, you're, our, you're, our, you're our girl, you know, you belong to us and uh, you might have the nigger nose. You might have the thick lips, but you know, <laughs> like, so I started not liking my um, features, but mm. I remember like it was yesterday my dad sensed a feeling over me once she said it that depressed mm. my look of myself now i'm a, i'm a child i'm 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 young i'm not even a teenager but he sensed it where he stopped me one day cuz um don't know what how i was moving around or whatever but he stopped me one day he said kimmy he said i want you to know something he said the world needs your smile you have a beautiful smile. He said, stop covering yourself. You smile for daddy. Never, never, never brought up what she said about my features or whatever, but she, he balanced. When he said that, I never forgot. And I put that in my, in my head along with what she said. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something, that balance helped me find some peace and build on my self-esteem from that comment that he said that embedded in my spirit. Yeah. So it's isn't very something, important. Isn't it? Very isn't important. That something one, yes. one simple one comment. Yes. Comment. Now, now, now hear this. I didn't forget about what my, my mother said, but if it had not, if he had never said that comment about my smile, I would probably been, just, you know, had to deal with so many more issues of uh, my physical attributes that I call beautiful attributes now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sounds like he was a very intuitive man. Yes. Is there anything else that you would like to share? What comes to mind? Um, I have, uh, believe it's eight or uh, I believe it's eight um, affirmations that I thought of um, that is on my website that you can download free. But one of them has come in mind as I kept talking to you is that I have learned to do and consistently trying to remember not to do is to um, expect to see the me and other people. Mm. I'm just uniquely created the way I am and I'm owning, you know, given the biggest gift of me of invested in me, but not expecting and not seeing the me and other people not being responsible for it either. Yeah. That's beautiful. One question. What would you say grief has taught you? Your grief has taught you. You can find strength in it. You'll find strength in it. If you allow yourself, you choose, you'll find strength in it. If you choose. Yes. And it really does truly come down to choice. Yeah. So where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you and find their, find your book? Okay, well, I, I'm on the Facebook, Kimberly Bell, and I'm on Instagram, Kimberly Bell at Kimberly Bell. And I have this website that is just truly my baby. I love it. Um, I have uh, such an awesome um, team. And you. What's the website? Yes, the website is www.kimberly Bell. Kimberly and Bell. Kimberly and Bell. And with the E, Bell.com. And um, you'll see the book right there, the memoir of the epitome of Kimmy, the memoir, Accept and Embrace It All. And I, the, 
book is found on Amazon and Goodreads. And um, you can contact me off the website, a speaker, I travel, I also do mentoring sessions. Um, one of the mentoring sessions is titled um, Accept and Embrace It All. And another one is Balanced Beam of Life. So I am just, I'm just so excited about the season of my life. So yeah. I love it. I bet your kids are very proud of you too. They are. And I, I'm proud of them. I keep saying you guys rock because you guys rock. I rock. <laughs> but you know, it's like, don't you feel just so much more at peace as a parent too? just the, take comfort in knowing that you are breaking the chains and this, the cycle of because I think what I wanted to say too is you what you did was you challenged the beliefs and you know the beliefs that you were born into, whether they were self-limiting beliefs or whether it was beliefs passed down to you. Right. But it's when we challenge those beliefs that we find our own truth. Yes. So thank you for sharing your truth today. Thank you. Thank you for allowing honor. me to share, yes. share. Thank you for so much for your platform. Thank you. And I'll put all the links in the show notes. So look there if you want to connect with Kim, Kimmy, Kimberly, what do you prefer? (laughs) Kim is fine. Kim. All right. So, and remember when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.